Welcome to Keys to Digital Transformation and Government, sponsored by Booz Allen Hamilton. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are John Owens, the Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, George Chambers, the Executive Director of the Office of IT Infrastructure Operations at the Department of Health and Human Services, Bill Zielinski, the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for the IT Category Management in the Federal Acquisition Service at the General Services Administration, and Gary Lebovich, the Executive Vice President, Booz Allen Hamilton. Gentlemen, welcome to the discussion today. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get started, let me set some context for our conversation. This discussion comes really at the perfect time. Without a doubt, IT modernization, digital transformation are hot topics in the federal community. The White House released its 36-point IT modernization draft plan for public comment in September. Over the next few months, it will finalize that strategy with a strong eye toward cloud computing, cybersecurity, and of course, agile development. Now, at the same time, Congress is considering a new approach for agencies to move money from legacy IT systems to new modernized platforms. The Modernizing Government Technology, or MGT Act, would establish working capital funds in each agency. Departments would be able to retain their savings for up to three years from systems that were modernized and consequently cost less. While legislation and strategies are nice, the real digital transformation work is being done on the ground inside agencies. The Office of Management and Budget reported in 2014 that over the previous year, agencies decreased the time it took to get their high-impact investments to deliver functionality by 20 days. That decrease, without a doubt, is much larger today. And you can see those reductions at places like the Treasury Department, which, re which reported in 2016 that it cut the time it took to deliver incremental capabilities to 100 days for more than 220 days. And the focus on Agile and DevOps is clear in the contracting data as well. Information from Bloomberg government from June showed that spending on Agile services increased to $368 million in fiscal 2016 from $242 million in 2015. That's a, across the 40 largest contracting vehicles. But as we know, it takes more than contracting and de technology delivery. It's digital transformation also requires change in thinking by the workforce and contractors agencies hire. And as we've heard over the last two decades or so, it's rarely about technology. It's almost always about the people, the culture, and the approaches. And that is why we have our panel today. They're going to tell us how they're overcoming both sides of the challenge equation, technology and culture. So once again, my guests today are John Owens, the Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, George Chambers, the Executive Director of the Office of IT Infrastructure Operations, at HHS. Bill Zielinski is the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for the IT Category Management at the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA, and Gary Lebovich, the Executive Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton. So, about to cover, I know I went through a whole litany of fun things, so let's just start really at the beginning of the conversation and, and talk a little bit about how the IT modernization train, if you will, how you guys are getting on it, what's the technologies that are really driving it. George, let me start with you. Sure, and thanks for inviting us. Um, at HHS, in concert with uh, Homeland Security, we have the Cybersecurity Automation Program. It's a three-pronged approach uh, where we are doing our continuous uh, diagnostics and mitigation work and using, uh, I have responsibility, uh, you can tell from my title, for operations and infrastructure. I work hand-in-hand -hand with our Chief Information Security Officer. and. While, while he works with DHS to understand what that architecture is going to look like, I'm responsible for the deployment. And so we've now deployed agents throughout the enterprise in order to um, gather information. We have a second step, which is an aggregator and a data analytics platform, and all of my associates here will, will attest to that. And third, we're looking at a risk management governance and security um, tool that will allow us to uh, present in a dashboard fashion um, all of the security op you know, opportunities and concerns in a single, um, in a single way across the, uh, across the enterprise. In addition to cybersecurity, uh, we've done the traditional automation. Uh, we took email as a service into the cloud and f across the enterprise over the last two years. And we've been spending a lot of time now uh, with more traditional Windows 10 deployments um, and uh, in support of the HSPD-12 initiative, we're also doing derived credentials to uh, ensure two-factor authentication for all of our endpoints. All right, so a lot going on there. Let me just uh, back us up on, when you talk about the cyber automation, CDM is a big piece of that, but it Correct. seems like there's there's two, there's other pieces there. Uh, the, the risk management piece, can you just talk a little bit more about what that entails? 
yeah. governance and, and yeah, tool. yeah. So we we've chosen a tool. I'm not going to get into the specific vendor right now, but the idea is to have an aggregator is an important part of the platform, and we've worked with DHS to standardize that, like all the other agencies. But we also had uh, the desire to have a standard dashboard for decision making and reaction and mitigation, and and so we take the metrics that are coming up from the aggregation platform. In this case, I believe I'm, I'm okay to say Splunk, and we're using Archer, which is also a recommended platform for 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 the governance, risk mitigation, and uh, compliance portion. All right, interesting, because I know risk management will play into a broader conversation. Right. Before we do that, let me turn to John Owens. Now, John, you and I have talked many times over the years, and, and one of the most uh, impressive things about PTO is really you guys took not just a toe into Agile, but really the big jump into Agile. So talk a little bit about the emerging technologies that you guys are, are looking at to really continue to move that process forward. So over the last eight or so years, we really have developed a um, DevOps Agile culture at the USPTO. I wouldn't call it textbook Agile. It's a little government flavor thrown in, but it is more Agile than not. So above and beyond just what George talked about, which certainly USPTO is also doing, because cybersecurity and the rest play a very, and risk management play an incredibly important role in everything that a federal CIO does. Uh, we have been on a multi-year journey to shut off legacy systems, and we have. Uh, the base core examination system known as EDAN was replaced by Patent Send to End Docket Application Viewer. We are in the midst of rolling out the Office Action Tool for Patents to replace the legacy tool OAKS. Uh, we have built new tools that didn't exist before MyUSPTO. And in a very DevOps-like fashion, we have uh, blue-green environments for quick rollouts. We do patches to bugs. Uh, sometimes within 24 hours of discovery to deployment. Uh, we are making sprints last uh, two to three weeks on most projects, and we are doing at least quarterly deployments uh, to production. And uh, at the meantime, not only have we turned off those legacy systems, but we've also fixed our core infrastructure. For example, our website just hit a measured this year of five nines, which uh, quite honestly, when I got there, it didn't even have one. Um, and uh, the rest of our systems are well designed to operate in 4.9's capability across multiple data centers, including the cloud. Uh, so as far as replacing legacy systems, uh, some of which were developed back in the 1970s, some of which still run on, as we talked about before, COBOL and AGOL and languages that quite honestly don't even exist anymore, uh, we are well on our way of doing that, though there are uh, it's not always easy. And I would agree with your statement. It's most, mostly a cultural change than anything else. And we'll get into that piece later on, but let me just back up. As you've closed down these systems, you've taken them totally offline. It's not like yes. you're running dual environments. Uh, so so I guess my, my question that always pops up is, are there savings? There are. Uh, today, it's a loaded question, I know. I mean. There are, but then my customers have waited for decades to build new functionality. So our capital investment this year is about 50, 55% of our overall budget. Now that varies year to year. Some years it's been 40, some years it's been 60. Uh, and that's over operations and maintenance. So whenever we can, we shut off those systems. We roll them into that money into capital investment funds to make improvements not only on, for example, docket application viewer didn't end. We're adding features and functionality that examiners have been waiting on for a decade. Uh, that work has slowed some, and then of course we've looked to replace other important examination systems. And that's just on the patent side. We're making strides on the trademark side, though slowly. Um, not every project is perfect, mind you, but uh, overall progress is strong. Excellent, all right, let me turn to Gary from Booz Allen. One of the things that you guys most work, when you work with your clients, what are some of the, the, the things that they're asking from you, or what are you seeing with, with whether it's RFPs and RFIs, or just, just regular work? Yeah, we're seeing a dramatic change in the methodologies that agencies are asking for, much like John just spoke about, a huge increase in requirements around agile development and DevOps in particular. You know, the old model was the old waterfall model where you went out, you interviewed a bunch of people, you got a set of requirements, Requirements, then you went away for six months, you came back, you said, here's the application, the client said, that's not what I asked for, or our needs have changed, and then you went back and you got a change order, and the whole, 
I can't imagine how we did that over time, but that's the way the, that's the, way the industry worked for probably 20, 25 years. We have seen a dramatic change in requests for agile development methodologies and approaches, and more particularly now this, this approach around DevOps and how do we have a continuous process from the actual requirements to the application development to the maintenance and to the deployment. And so we as an organization have made a huge investment in all of those capabilities. Um, for us, frankly, it's a much, much better environment. It's a much more challenging environment. The interaction with the clients who are working on these projects for us is just makes it much more enjoyable. Um, we're able to rapidly develop, showcase what we're doing, make changes, come back. Uh, to John's point, the velocity of our ability to turn around applications and get feedback is orders of magnitude better than what it used to be. And I think the results are, speak for themselves. We see some of these systems now that are much more robust. There's a lot less change over the process. And we're able to get to implementation faster. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. I have to ask this, this may be basic question, but I use Agile and DevOps as synonyms. You seem to kind of put a fine line. Bill's shaking his head, so we're going to hear from Bill in a sec. But which, when, you, when you talk about Agile, when you talk about DevOps, what's the difference? Well, it's, I, you know, just me. I, I don't know if there's a, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a mindset as much as anything else. It's this notion of working interactively with the clients to sort of figure out what's the best set of requirements and how quickly can we showcase what we're doing and get feedback. Um, I think with DevOps, it's a much more efficient process. It's, it's the connectivity between the, the, the requirements, the development, and the implementation. The old model, the, the maintenance and enhancement was sort of off to the side. Now that with DevOps, we're able to have a continuous process, integrated set of, pro of programs and platforms that allow us to go from the beginning to the end in a much more efficient way. John, jump in real quick. So uh, DevOps really extends the culture of Agile, that iterative nature of development into the operational area. The ability to quickly roll out a change or a patch without disrupting the flow and then roll back quickly or flop between blue and green environments as it were. So it takes that same rapid concept of close interactions and extends it not just with the development and the contractor and the customer, but also into the operations, which is 24 by seven, which is security, which is everything at the core of what the government has improved for the decade before, uh, and bringing all of that together. So DevOps as a culture, unlike Agile, which stopped at the development for a long time, really brings operation unity with the development side, the customer, the contractor, all in one family. That, that's actually very helpful, because I think we in the community always kind of use it as synonyms, but there's, when you talk about from an operations perspective versus agile. So Bill, you were shaking your head too. You, you, bring, this, you, you bring to this discussion a much different perspective and an important one, not just the contracting side, but really the, the broader GSA side. So talk a little bit about what you're seeing from, from the desires of emerging technology. Maybe start with the agile DevOps discussion and then we'll move kind of backwards. A absolutely, thanks Jason. So I'll agree with my counterparts here. I, you know, I, when we start talking about it from the development of that system into the operational environment, what I will also say is for many agencies who are carrying out that work and executing on that work through contracts, you also have to ensure that the uh, acquisition strategy as well as the, the structure of those contracts will match to that. Otherwise, the, these folks who are actually executing on the ground are fighting an uphill stream, mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to, how to make the contract work to what their desired operating state is. So some of the work that we do in GSA is, is helping agencies figure out how they can both develop those acquisition strategies but also uh, structure those contracts to be able to fit what they're trying to do from an operational standpoint. Um, and, and Jason, back to what you said earlier, uh, when you take a look at that IT modernization report that the administration put out for, for public comment, you mentioned a little bit about both from a technology standpoint, what's, what's being kind of pushed and, and proselytized through that document, but also in terms of the approach that they're asking agencies to take, they're also looking for agencies to consider things like shared services, to take a look at uh, already uh, kind of pre-competed government-wide acquisition contracts. So a lot of the work that we're trying to do in GSA in the IT category of the Federal Acquisition Service is trying to ensure that as we see that uh, policy statement come out, where we're going to put the focus as a government, ensuring that we have the contract options, that we have the solutions in place that really create the easy buttons for agency agencies to really be able to reach those technologies um, and cut down even further on those time frames to help them understand how they could structure those con uh, contracts to match 
match uh, to what the desire is. So we're part of that ecosystem of delivery in IT, um, but we're really looking at that place that sits in between industry and agency execution and helping to ensure that they can move that along quickly. All right, hold on, Gary, just before I want to ask Bill one last follow-up. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. So this is an unrehearsed, Bill, so you know that. Uh, agile contracting, we've seen a huge increase in the number of uh, agencies wanting to spend money. Any plans yet for a separate Agile BPA or whatever you want to call it? I'm going to put you on the spot, so, so the answer could be no. So, so I think there's two things, Jason. I think one, we already do have um, uh, within IT Schedule 70 and uh, a framework for Agile contracting. So an Agile contract as opposed to introducing Agile methodologies into contracting. So going back to how agencies structure those contracts, those days of having large scale, big bang, large dollar, uh, long term contracts, kind of back to the point that Gary made, as opposed to being able to say, let's really figure out how we're going to deliver and, and match the contracts we've put in place to that. So we're working on that all the time to introduce Agile um, concepts and frameworks into our contracting. I don't want to go down the, the rabbit hole of contracting, but Gary, jump you know, in. If I just make a point, of, you know, Bill raised an interesting point. For us as a contractor, there are some agencies that are really are struggling with the agile model. A lot of them are used to having a deliverable set of, of uh, objectives. And now with agile, it's, you know, it depends. You know, it could take, could take two weeks, could take three days. And so some, some agencies are really struggling with how do, I how do I validate that you're giving me what I asked for? Uh, we've even had IGs come to us say, we don't know how to evaluate this. You know, we have a checkbox, we have a list of things we need to check on, and in an agile development, we can't necessarily predict when things are going to get delivered. Um, and so that's, that's a bit of a struggle. There are some agencies that are much farther ahead, but from where we sit sometimes, it's, it takes a little bit of education. And having a strategy that helps define that is really helpful. Again, Gary, you're taking us down the culture path because that's part of that culture. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we can jump into that discussion. You're listening to the panel discussion, Keys to Digital Transformation in Government, sponsored by Booz Allen Hamilton on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Booz Allen Hamilton. We're a world leader in applying modern technologies that are revolutionizing healthcare, protecting our nation against crippling cyber attacks, and making government more accessible to citizens by opening up its data and modernizing its digital systems. How do we do it? Through open, collaborative methods, such as DevOps and Agile, that bring technology and people together. Booz Allen Hamilton. Technology leadership. Agile innovation. Digital transformation. Learn more at boozallen.com. Welcome back, you're listening to the panel discussion, Keys to Digital Transformation in Government, sponsored by Booz Allen Hamilton, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are John Owens, the Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, George Chambers, the Executive Director of the Office of IT Infrastructure Operations at the Department of Health and Human Services, Bill Zielinski, the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for the IT Category Management in the Federal Acquisition Service at the General Services Administration, and Gary Lebovich, the Executive Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton. Gentlemen, before break, we started down that path of culture and, and Agile and DevOps and how that all kind of starts to fit together. George, you want to jump in and start with that discussion a little sure. bit. When you, when you talk, start talking Agile and you start talking about the culture change, how are you dealing with that at HHS? So, so I wanted to uh, piggyback off of what Bill was talking about, GSA, in terms of acquisitions. And Gary's mentioned about maturity. At HHS, we have uh, a pretty federated organization, so there's various levels of maturity across the enterprise. And, and what was surprising to a number of us, uh, especially uh, in my group, which I have also enterprise applications, I went through a, a, a long series of training for my development teams to understand Agile. And so once we believed we got it, then we started to introduce it to our customers. They embraced the idea, okay, we're gonna give, we're gonna give you functionality sooner versus later. We were looking at three month deliveries and then being able to follow that up with multiple deliveries. But the education that was required by our stakeholders, our customers, was much more significant than I ever anticipated. In particular, they were not willing to sign off on a core functionality and initial operating capability because they were concerned, okay, that's all I get, <laughs> right? And so nobody wants to sign off, and yet you can't go down the Agile process without having a complete break, and now we're into phase two, three, four. And that drives back to the acquisition. Likewise, you're not signing off on what traditionally in the waterfall is called a deliverable, right? Because initial operating capability is being 
uh, discussed in a different way than what we traditionally thought at one point in time. So I, I believe that education uh, around DevOps, uh, around Agile, is just in its infancy in terms of what we need to do with our stakeholders and users. So I guess the one quick follow-up, I'm going to jump into some of the other uh, panelists, but how did you educate them? How did you have to do, it's, it's the easy wins, it's, it's, that's what we hear a lot about. Exactly, exactly. When you end up having a group or two finally say yes, we're, we're taking this capability and we believe that you're going to continue to give us functionality, it starts to spread the word. Now, you know, now from an initial two or three pilots of Agile at the enterprise level, we seem to be now into the half dozen dozen realm. And, and that's been over the past two years. So it, it could be geometric. And uh, I speak for just, you know, once again, a more immature p uh, portion of our overall. CDC has a, a strong agile development group as well as NIH. And FDA. I know yep. we've had talked to Todd Simpson. Yep. Uh, John, jump in. So I thank you, George, for bringing that up because I have to tell you that's a big deal for me too. Not all customers, even internally, are created equal. We went through a stent on some projects where the customer uh, didn't understand really after training what acceptance was. And no one likes getting their product accepted and then after multiple releases they're like, mm, no, we didn't really mean that. And like, well, what do you mean you didn't mean that? You accepted it. <laughs> and, then, and then they went into further clarification of, oh, well, they didn't really understand what their requirements were. So they were, you know, we were going down a path where we were building what they wanted, but they weren't quite comfortable with what they asked for and then there was all these variances and you find out that really sometimes your customer needs to understand what they want too and because we were treating all of our customers the same we were getting different results right customers with really strong technical backgrounds were producing really strong products eventually and customers with lighter technical backgrounds are less of an understanding uh, not so strong, not as involved in the process. Of course, then they want to run back to waterfall and you're like, no, we're not going to allow you to do that. We're going to have to sit back in here. And then they spend a lot of their time and energy arguing for waterfall when we know that's not the right thing to do. I mean, the evidence out there is overwhelming that results are better with Agile. So uh, that cultural change, that education is continuous and never ending particularly as senior leaders leave the organizations and you have to keep reiterating and reiterating. It's a fantastic point you brought up. Uh, let me ask John a quick follow-up. I know Gary, you want to jump in. When they want to resort back to Waterfall or when they want to go, well, that's not what we asked for. And you're like, well, actually, it is what you asked for. Well, that's not what we want. What, what do you have to do from a CIO's perspective for someone who's running those DevOps teams? What's the process by, what's the education piece? Because there's two sets of education, right? There's the, hey, we're going to do this, bring everyone together, let's talk about it. And then there's the, as we go along, education. Well, part of DevOps is fail fast, right? And, and when you're in a situation where you have a failure, and I think we have all had them, and if no one wants to admit that, I think we've got a different problem. Uh, and, you know, you, all right, we have a failure now. We've not delivered what you wanted. Let's, you know, we have blameless postmortems and those other type of cultural things to help bring out the best in people and stop the finger pointing and so on and so forth. But eventually you've got to take a step back, reset, and convince your customer that no, you're not going to go back, run back to what you know, uh, you know, that old, that old method. You're going to do this again, but you're going to make some significant change. And that's not always easy. Um, the education helps, but eventually you've got to have enough, like George said, hey look, We've used this. We've gotten good results here. We've shut off some systems. We've, we've made progress. It was faster, better, cheaper. You knew up front whether or not you failed. Now that we've had a failure and everyone has one, how are you going to handle it? And that's as important in a, in a culture of how you handle failure as how you handle success. George, jump in. I, you know, I, I just wanted to mention, you know, you had asked about the techniques of trying to get the education out there, and it's more than just the experience end of it. Um, I, I've uh, created a set of colloquia we do on a monthly basis for my IT teams, both infrastructure and with the application side. And what we've tried to do is not only bring our feds and our contractors together around agile concepts and things of that nature, but now we've opened up to our main customer group as well so they can participate in the dialogue and be a part of an education process. So, you know, everybody sort of baselines into, you know, because it's okay 
to deliver something wrong. I mean, that's the whole that's idea. Right. That's the whole idea, right? Uh, but, 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 but the question becomes, what can you use? So at least we're using something. You've got to use something in order for you to get to the next phase and the, the phase after that, because otherwise you're always stuck in that pilot pre-production and then nobody benefits out of that because you're running multiple systems. So, Gary, I know you've been waiting patiently to jump in. No, it's fine. Um, w one of the things we do, particularly with new agencies that haven't been attuned to this, is we, we do agile coaching. We actually bring a coach into the situation and really sit down with the client staff and really walk them through the process. Along with that, we have a, we have a agile playbook and a DevOps playbook, which really describes the roles the pace, what's different, what to expect. So there's an education process that's ongoing that we can use both to define the methodology and to help people get their heads around it. Uh, we do a project right now at VA. We have 25 scrum teams simultaneously operating. <clears throat> and when it comes time for user acceptance tests, we actually invite the VA clients to come with us. We have a facility down in South Carolina. And it's fascinating to watch the interaction between the clients and our team working together to do quarterly releases of a very large benefits management system for VA. And I can't imagine doing this project under the old model. There's, <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. And this is probably one of the most important systems in the government. It's, it's the benefits management system for our veterans. <clears throat> so we've come a long way. It's an education process and helping clients get attuned to where we're going. Uh, that's a fascinating example. Twenty one number on 25 scrum teams at once, but the fact is you're bringing in clients. Bill, jump in. So, so I th a couple of observations, Jason. I, you know, I think um, three things we hear broadly from agencies. I think number one is that idea: you got to get started somewhere. You got to start to have some successes. You have to start to demonstrate. Uh, so, so in terms of getting folks involved, start. Uh, the, the second one is, is that idea of, of you always have to be uh, having that top cover from, from leadership, uh, it, showing the commitment that yes, this may be different from what we've done before, but you have to have that. And then the, the third thing is, is, is the idea that you can have a conversation about risks and how this approach really does both buy down the risks in terms of costs, but also buys down the risk in terms of you've executed and at the end of the day, you got something that you didn't ask for. So, so I think those are things we hear more broadly is that conversation about risks, the idea of top cover, and the idea of uh, got to get started. Um, we do have, to, to Gary's point about kind of helping and guiding folks through. Uh, the first thing I'd mention is the U.S. Digital Service. Tracy Walker is an individual there who, who this, this is kind of her, her, her life's work, if you will, and she's a person who does and can work with agencies as it relates to acquisition and agile approaches and acquisition. Uh, secondly, if, there, if an agency needs a, a lot of help and assistance in our uh, assisted acquisition service, they can kind of take them from cradle to grave through helping agencies do that entire walkthrough. Uh, and then on the backside, when you, when you talk about uh, uh, the solution that we build within the Federal Acquisition Service, we provide templates, uh, we provide kind of, a, a kind of an easy button for them to do that, and then finally, within the Technology Transformation Service in 18F, they do uh, ghost writing on, on any number of different products as well as do that assistance with agencies. So there's a lot of resources, as Gary says, if somebody needs that assistance to move forward, there's a lot of choices for agencies to be able to make that move forward. I want to go back to John on something. We've talked a lot about the customer, and when we define customer, it's usually the internal customer. For you, it may be the, the patent, patent side or the trademark side of PTO, but at the same time, you have a, an external customer. How do you include them in it? Uh, and we'll, Gary, I'll go to you next with the veterans, because I want to hear more about how you, when you bring the users in, but, but John, start us off. So we have two advisory committees appointed by the Secretary of Commerce, one for patents and one from trademarks, uh, TPAC and PPAC. Public Advisory Committee is what PAC stands for. Um, we, of course, demo all the internal systems and external systems to them. They're kind of our guidance. But also, when we do, uh, right now, for example, we're building a new patents uh, intake system to intake text. Uh, it, it's going out to the, a small public user group. They're commenting on it. We um, updated our legacy system to intake text while we're building the new system and then the new system goes out for comment to them and we go through an iterative model that's gonna fully go out to folks I think in the December time frame so um, we try to include the customer and and I don't just mean management I actually internally I actually mean our union folks right we have three unions at the USPTO we try to bring them in as often as possible along with management to make sure that their interaction is very strong since they are the end user. Same thing with the public. 
demo it to them, show them it. Uh, we have a MyUSPTO product where they can come in and log in as an external customer and customize their views and get notifications that they're focused on in a way that they can adapt to. And that's new. Uh, and we took uh, multiple iterations through the PACs, through public comment periods, to try to get them involved. Because at the end of the day, if you're not meeting their needs, they're going to be like, well, you spent our user fees on something, but it's not what we wanted. And that's even worse since we're user-funded uh, fee, uh, fee-funded organization. So there's a much more direct taxpayer. feeling Very. versus us as taxpayers go, well, I just paid my taxes to the government, right. wherever they, they do with it exactly. Uh, Gary, jumping about the user side of it, because I think the, the, the external customer is so important in this yeah. discussion. Well, on, this, on this project, um, given the, you know, the high priority, this is the system that's used by our veterans to make their doctor's appointments, their health records, to inquire about insurance, et cetera. Uh, we sit down at the beginning of every year and we have a list of objectives for the system, a set of enhancements, knowing full well that we're going to get into the agile process and some of those are going to change, some of those are going to fall out, but the clients are very engaged from day one on, on every year. And so we define a set of objectives, we go through a quarterly process when it's time to introduce user acceptance tests. We have about 40 clients who actually come down to South Carolina, sit in a big room with us, and we go through an agile user acceptance test where they're sitting with our with our folks, we're looking at the code, we're testing the code, they're offering enhancements and adjustments, and, and at the end of the two-week period, we have a system that we're ready to roll out, and we go right into implementation. Uh, we have a DevOps methodology, so that we're, as you might imagine, it's a 24 by 7 application, it needs to be up continuously. There is no downtime. It's 24 7, 365 year, days a year, and we use DevOps to ensure that we have continuity on the maintenance side. George. It's interesting, um, and, and I applaud uh, how, how far you've gone with the VA. Um, we were wrestling at HHS um, uh, as far back as 2011, dealing with the open data and, and how do you engage the public with the, uh, the valued asset that we have. And uh, before Agile, before DevOps, you still have to engage the public. And we wrestled with how to, how to the, open that up. And, and so as part of healthdata.gov, uh, which is an HHS initiative opening up um, as many as 1,500 different databases to the public, um, we created another uh, ancillary website that was demand-driven open data. And the whole idea is that we would engage by making it very easy for individuals in the public to request data sets from the government. Now, whether they knew it or not, that would help either individuals or organizations build cottage industries around health data. So the idea was this now front end allowed a group of, um, a group of our analysts to understand, hey, this is what the public's asking for. In the first month that we opened it up, we had 40 different requests for data sets that weren't available that we then would assess, prioritize, and see, hey, which ones are the quickest we can bring to bear? And within two months, we had at least three data sets out there. And once again, that creates jobs, it creates opportunities, and it also provides the public the, the value for what they're paying for. Bill, let me turn to you on this one as well. Bring us into the contracting side in the sense of, when you guys are putting together a contract and, and, and the agile piece of it and ensuring there's user testing. So I guess, one, is there a contract for, hey, I want to get user testing, somebody will provide those services? And then two, how do you ensure that, that the agency is not trying to lean back towards the, the waterfall method when you see a contract that says, here's 40 things to do over the next five years type of thing. So a couple things really quickly. Yes, we are, we are exploring, um, while there's vendors and providers right now in all of our solutions that are out there that provide customer experience, user testing, other sorts of aspects of that, we're actually specifically looking at putting together a, a um, more specifically scoped vehicle in and around customer experience and user testing. I will say again, we're kind of sitting between industry and agency, so that idea of customer is a, a little bit different for us. We, we really don't have a mission unto ourselves. Ours is, our mission is to further the mission of the agencies who are customers. Um, but we do have, in telecommunications for example, we just awarded the Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions. Um, we worked very closely with both industry and with agencies. We have an infrastructure advisory group that's actually chaired by agencies and they really are driving those requirements. But at the end of the day, we have to ensure that there's that interaction between both those customer agencies as well as industry and the results of those efforts, those forums, those workshops, those industry days, 
the series of events that put together to bring those things together results in uh, the EIS contract that's out there today. So uh, we very much have an eye towards ensuring that whatever we're putting out there works both for industry as well as for agencies. And without a doubt, EIS, huge success considering how big it is, and I think you only got one, we'll call it minor protest. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and come in, we'll jump into the next set of questions, which is deals with the, the, the technology side of this transformation. You're listening to the panel discussion, Keys to Digital Transformation in Government, sponsored by Booz Allen Hamilton on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Booz Allen Hamilton, we're a world leader in applying modern technologies that are revolutionizing healthcare, protecting our nation against crippling cyber attacks and making government more accessible to citizens by opening up its data and modernizing its digital systems. How do we do it? Through open, collaborative methods, such as DevOps and Agile, that bring technology and people together. Booz Allen Hamilton, technology leadership, agile innovation, digital transformation. Learn more at boozallen.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Keys to Digital Transformation in Government, sponsored by Booz Allen Hamilton on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today, John Owens, the Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, George Chambers, the Executive Director of the Office of IT Infrastructure Operations at the Department of Health and Human Services, Bill Zielinski, the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for the IT Category Management in the Federal Acquisition Service at the General Services Administration, and Gary Lebovich, the Executive Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton. Last segment, we talked a lot about the, the culture change that needs to happen, both workforce, ensuring that we get in, in tune with the customer, internal customers, external customers. Let's go the next level down and talk actually how do you do Agile, how do you do DevOps? And, and I know that there's no one way to do it, which is part of the, the beauty of this, but you need automation, that's a key piece, orchestration's a key piece. So let me start with John. You guys have been kind of the longest uh, in, this, in this realm. Talk a little bit about how you guys are adding these pieces and parts together. So certainly we started with the education on Agile and a couple of volunteer teams to start acting in a different way, changing that culture. But eventually, if you really want to move toward that DevOps, that full um, link between development and operations, you have to build some foundational technologies. And you've touched on those, automated build, automated test, automated deployment, and then of course the blue-green environment type of methodology that I talked about earlier. So that took a bunch of technology and, and a switch in culture as well. Uh, we used to all hand jam tests. You know, you put a bunch of people down in front of it, you start clicking buttons, and then when you realize that you can't run that 24 by seven, you have to invest in an automated build system to take the product out of source several times a day, uh, build it, put it into automated tests, run test scripts, keep track of what your code coverage is to make sure it's above 80, 85% in the areas that you can test through automation. And then of course, de automated deployment. The blue-green scenario I talked about earlier is literally having an environment that you can switch into production and then move out of production. So your green is in production, your blue is staging, you build, automate, test, deploy, now blue is ready to go, you switch it to the green environment, green becomes blue and you're live. And it happens in a matter of seconds. And if something goes wrong, you can switch back. <laughs> and, that's, and that's, of course, a methodology and a culture that has existed in industry for many years and uh, many big organizations that offer 24 by seven availability of their products and services have been using. And one we at the USPTO are starting to embrace, but then of course you hit hiccups. But that foundational technology, that change in what you do build, how you build it, how you test, is all foundational to get a good transition between Agile and DevOps for a full operational capability that allows you to put in a patch for something within 24 hours of discovery. Without and, it, it's not possible. And then you have the cybersecurity piece too. Has, have you gone down that path yet? Yep. Uh, our cybersecurity piece is one of the most difficult things in an ever-changing environment to overcome. And it takes good standards and practices and a direct integration of that team with your CISO right at the helm of it, ready to go, looking at everything as it's changing. Also separating your security at multiple layers. So you do the base operating system on down to the hardware and so on at one layer, and then you have your software at another, and then your final scans when you release the product. All of which has to be done before you flip, uh, and has to be done quickly. And that causes changes in not only our culture and methodology, but also our contracts. Uh, cannot tell you the number of times we've done emergency deployments that needed full security scans 
uh, on every one of them, so of course automated, but then a secondary scan once it's ready to go to make sure that you didn't do anything that you shouldn't to keep all your documentation up to date, which trust me, the IG is going to look for. I was about to say, we could talk all day about the IG culture change too, which we didn't really get to in the last segment. Gary, you guys also are seeing this similar mm -hmm. uh, need for automation sure. as you guys work with agencies. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing. So one of the things we do is when we first come to an agency is we do, we have a DevOps uh, maturity assessment that we do for a lot of agencies. It's trying to understand what, what is manual today, what's automated, what could possibly be automated, what is the underlying technical architecture look like, what kind of packages and platforms is the agency um, using today. And then what we have is what we call an auto-deployable auto DevOps process. And what that really means is we try to stitch together a series of scripts so that we can link together all of the technology so that we have a seamless DevOps process. As John explained, there's a lot of complexity to this. You're, you're really bringing together a lot of different technologies to, to achieve that end-to-end -end integration. And what we try to do for our customers is to make it a little bit easier by automating that process and writing a series of scripts so that it could be easily implementable. It's, it's very well documented, to John's point. It includes the security considerations which are paramount for a lot of agencies. And I don't want to make it sound like it's hit a button, but it's about as close to hit a button as you can so that you achieve the kind of objectives you're looking for. And in many ways, what this is doing is taking, it's even better than the 80-20 rule, right? Where it's doing about 80% of the work and the 20% is done by the, the people side. It's probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, 90, 95% or more. And you just have experts who are looking at the, the results and going, okay, are there any holes? That's exactly right. So along this whole process as you're working through, the, the, the human factor is just looking at results, making minor adjustments. It's not moving in and out of packages, not replacing things. This whole process is automated such that if you see something that's different, you say, okay, well, you know, we don't want to use Splunk. I think we ought to use something else. As long as it's part of the technical architecture, it's easily replaceable through a, a change in the script and the agency moves on. So it's been highly effective. Bill, you were shaking your head. It's interesting, you know, for Bill's background, if you don't know, Bill used to be, used to be a CIO. So you, you brought your CIO hat on. I mean, this sounds perfect, if you will, in many ways. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the, that, what you're kind of hearing and, and how it relates back to kind of the broader picture. Sure. So Jason, we have a lot of folks who, they have that sense of urgency towards modernization, want to modernize, want to modernize, and, and, and they know and understand the risks that are there today. And, and you know, John used this term kind of foundational uh, you know, Gary used the term kind of organizational maturity assessment. You know, we see a lot of folks who are coming to us saying, I want to buy some cloud, I want to buy some <laughs> agile, I want to buy some as a service. And, and, and you know, the, 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 the sticky spot we sometimes find ourselves in is you want to satisfy the requirement that your customer's bringing to you, but you also know and understand and realize that, that it's, it's not something that you buy and deploy. This really is a fundamental change to how you're approaching your work, how you're taking a look at the, the, the mission kind of the, the mission space and the deployment of your capabilities within your business and really having an understanding of where you sit today versus where you want to get to, what things may be missing, and, and starting to establish that foundation that allows you to do that. So 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 for us, you know, we do spend a lot of time with, with agencies saying, hey, you could benefit from our experience, from what we've seen from other agencies. We can help you make those connections to others who have gone before you. Um, and, and while we want to satisfy your requirement, we, we also don't want to do so in a way that we believe is just simply buying you some of the same issues, but a little bit further down the road. And I, and I think that, that idea of these things, agile, um, uh, cloud, uh, as a service, is not something you simply buy and deploy. Yeah. Bill, George. Yeah. Thank you. Bill, you're spot on. And, and it goes back to what Gary was saying. We look forward to pressing the button. <laughs> uh, but but, but we, we don't want to be out in front of the headlights either. And, and we have foundational, and we use that, but there are standards of technology in a very heterogeneous environment, which you know our, our federated organization of HHS, is, it's highly complex. And without those fundamental building blocks, you, you can't really implement a fully automated capability from dev to ops when you have operating environments that are so disparate and so different. So, uh, you know, going back to the basics, uh, you know, in, in, in architecture and trying to come up with those standard shared services and their standard capabilities and how you interop interoperate with uh, an enterprise service methodology or some architecture along those lines are where our investments are right now so we can get to the next level of investments. 
In fact, as soon as Bill started talking about understanding your mission space, understand where you're going, all I can think of is the as is the to be, right? And, and I was going to turn to you, George, and say, well, George is our architecture person on the panel, but you answered my question, so thank well, you. Well, you made my life easy. <laughs> uh, let me turn back to John for a second. Challenges, potholes, roadblocks, whatever you want to call them, what have you guys seen over the last you know, six, seven years, and what have you done to overcome them? It's... Um I think the biggest challenge, and uh, George and Bill kind of touched on this, it's moving everything along at a proper pace where the culture adapts at the same time the technology adapts, and, and not one of those getting ahead of themselves. I know when we introduced user-centered design and we hired some people to come in and do user-centered design, that was like a big change. But that was a foundational product. The technology, the, the tech stack, the cloud, that's a foundational product. You can go too far with any one of these. You can change them too much, in my opinion. And then if one piece of this gets ahead of yourself, you really see a disruption down the line. So what you want is a nice, steady pace of cultural change, technology change, uh, with a nice, strong, continuous investment. Really, that continuity is very important to move the stakes slowly forward every year, year over year, and then sh highlight your victories and learn from your defeats. So you highlight when you shut something off, you roll it off the floor, you buy a cake from Costco, you know, you celebrate with your friends, not with federal funds, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, you just, you know, you, you, you do that, you keep people engaged, you keep people happy, it brings the naysayers on board, you move that progress forward. And at the same time, you sit back and you look at those failures and you say to yourself, how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? You don't call out somebody for it, you don't flog somebody for it, but you move generally forward and you say, we're not gonna do that again. Let's get our, fix our customer. Let's fix our, our team, our culture. Maybe we chose a wrong piece of technology. God knows that's happened to me before. And we'll just, okay, we'll fix it, right? It's never too late to do the right thing. We'll just keep continuously moving forward. So keeping that all at pace is the most important thing as far as I'm concerned. Let me put the shoe on the other foot for Gary. Gary, you have a customer who says, let's move faster, let's do mm -hmm. it, come on, we gotta get out, we gotta get it done. Right. How do you, if you will, slow them down a little right. bit? No, that's a great point. John makes a great, really great point. Um, it's in our best interest to work with a client in a manner that they're comfortable in. We don't we don't win if the client doesn't win. It's not our objective to throw all this new new crazy technology at them. You know, I've been in this business 30 years. I started out punching cards and working on a mainframe, and I've never been in a period of time in this business where there are so many alternatives, so many options, so many changes in technology. I mean, if you're a fan of technology, it's like a you like like a kid in a, in a play store right now. There's so many things you can do. Having said that. It's a lot, of, a lot of cases, it's the wrong way to go right now. Some agencies are just slowly adjusting. They need some time, the cultural change. But even the technology changes, while they sound wonderful, they're not for everybody. And so our job is to really educate and go, like John said, in partnership with our clients, demonstrating what's possible, but sometimes saying, this is possible, but you're just not ready right now. Now let us work with you to get you ready so that you can take advantage of what's, what's available. I think understanding what's available is, is the, one of the hardest things. I mean, Bill, you probably see that. As you said, people come in and go, I want to buy as a service, or I want to buy that cloud thing. Uh, what do you do? Like, what, what should people understand as, as we kind of wrap up this panel and this discussion? What should people keep in mind as, they're looking, as they move into this digital transformation world using Agile DevOps and, and other buzzwords? So, so, Jason, what I say is, is, is they shouldn't be trying to do this on their own, right? This is, this is a wonderful opportunity when you take a look at the government-wide kind of landscape. It's, 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 I'm not saying it's one-size-fits-all. Everybody's coming from a different place in a different space with different missions. However, when you talk about the challenges that they're facing, they're all very similar. And what we're trying to do with IT category management is to really draw that community together, right? So, so we want folks to participate. If you have expertise and, and a higher level of maturity in one area, lend that to the group. Uh, if you're looking for some answers, come participate in these groups because we can do this uh, in, in a much more effective and efficient way by joining that power of the crowd together. And in so doing, we're also bringing industry to the table as well. So there are opportunities through these initiatives, uh, working with Office of Management and Budget to really help agencies accelerate their planning and move themselves forward. So, so come to the table. All right, George, uh, tell us what you what you think is a good takeaway. What should people keep in mind as they kind of move into the Agile world? I, I see it as great opportunity. Having to hear what other agencies are doing uh, sets the standard uh, for for the rest of us. I, 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 you know, having come to the federal government from private industry, um, I, I'm not willing to accept the pace of the government 
versus what we can do in private industry. I don't believe that we should be watering down or diluting our expectations. And so the whole idea of creating those building blocks and get your investments and get them in quickly so then you can enable your stakeholders, those that, you know, the groups that I support have a mission and that's an important mission and they have to be enabled. And, uh, and, and so what Bill's doing on the GSA side um, is important because it allows us through an acquisition process to, to start leveraging those technologies, bring them in quickly and let's move out. So, so I guess the message is um, you've, got to, you've got to be sensitive to time, but you can't let it be your excuse. And uh, I think that's what I've picked up. So thank you. Very nice. All right, Gary, you're going to get the last word. Um, you know, I, from where I sit, I would encourage all colleagues here in, in government, take advantage of the experiences that are out there. Um, you know, you can learn, as John said, a lot from those that don't work as well as those that do. We've seen our share of failures. Um, and like our colleagues here, we learn a lot from that. We, we, we really understand what didn't go right, what, whether it's a technology issue or a cultural issue. Um, we, we have worked across all agencies, both on the defense side, the civilian side, and everybody's a little different. There's no one size fits all here. And so making sure that you as an agency, when you get started on this, understand the pros and cons, that you've evaluated the options, that you have both your client side and your contract side ready for what's going to be a pretty dramatic change in how you do business. A lot of times we forget about the contract side, and a lot of times we spend a lot of time educating the contractual folks about what this is going to be, what it's not going to be, here's what's going to be different, here's how we need to be evaluated, here's what we suggest things you think about. When we get to issues like service level agreements, it's a very different game when you're in a DevOps model than you're in the old traditional model. So that whole education process, I can't encourage enough for all agencies to take part of and leverage the experiences obviously of firms like ours and others who are doing this day to day with many many agencies because we see a lot we learn a lot and we have a lot to share very good uh, great advice uh, that's all the time we have for today unfortunately you've been listening to the panel discussion keys to digital transformation in government sponsored by booz allen hamilton on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m i've been your host jason miller i'd like to thank my guests john owens the chief information officer at the u.s patent and trademark office George Chambers, the Executive Director of the Office of IT Infrastructure Operations at the Department of Health and Human Services. Bill Zielinski, the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for the IT Category Management in the Federal Acquisition Service at the General Services Administration. And Gary Lebovich, the Executive Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search IT Modernization. Thank you for listening to Keys to Digital Transformation in Government, sponsored by Booz Allen on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search IT Modernization.